today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Intrigue, uh, the Globe and Mail is reporting this morning that the RCMP now are investigating whether two scientists dismissed from Canada's top security infectious disease laboratory passed on Canadian intellectual property to China, including the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It's an ongoing investigation, and not too many people want to speak up about this, but there are some tidbits of information uh, that make this, well, intriguing, to say the least. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Elliot Tepper, of course, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. Elliot, welcome. Got to have you back on the program today. Hope you had a good Canada today. Are you there? Today, although we had uh, certainly a very special and different one exactly. this year. Exactly. Exactly. What do you make of this story? I mean, there's there's intrigue. There's you know they're, they're talking about intellectual property. You know whether they, they you know shuffling stuff out of here and sending it off to a foreign government. There's there's a lot of questions, not a whole lot of answers at this stage. Yes, and we only, as you said, have tidbits of information. Would be normal under uh, any national security and intelligence operation, anyway. So we we are operating in just with the the bits and pieces that are available to us. But I think the um, the biggest takeaway from all this is that our attitude toward China and therefore cooperation globally, which is normally, on, particularly on medical issues, a, a, a desirable thing, as China has come more into focus in the 935 days that our two Michaels have now been imprisoned, as they've come into focus, the attitude toward working uh, in a normal fashion with China is changing very rapidly. This story may be a byproduct of that. Well, there's a trust issue here, isn't there, between these two governments and, and obviously the two Michaels and, and, and Wong among, that, are, that are happening, and we're not sure if there's a development in that, too, that, uh, that may actually you know, speed that thing along, too. But they're, they're all connected in one way or another. Uh, and, and I guess the, it's kind of disappointing, really, because, I mean, there's the political end of things, certainly, but you would think that this uh, would have some sense of cooperation. And, and I think in everybody's mind they did until all of a sudden uh, they swept in and said, okay, you people have to go now. Yes, the, that's, that, as I say, is kind of the big takeaway, take is that we had a, a pre- and a post-trust uh, issue with China in particular. Uh, it also, of course, is global with, with the whole COVID crisis, vaccine nationalism reared its head, and the reevaluation, which is a major uh, event, also standing back from it, reevaluation of what globalization means with the rise of populism as a reaction to globalization and now a reaction to cooperating with China, which was seen as a global law-abiding citizen that uh, kept saying we want peaceable rise, we don't want to replace the existing order, we want to join it. Uh, that attitude changed very <laughs> markedly under Xi Jinping when he said enough of that, we want wolf warrior diplomacy, we're standing forth. But uh, that means the attitude towards China, and we've got few data on this. We have polling data on this, that around Canada and around the world, the attitudes toward trust in China has plummeted, plummeted in recent times. And this story we're talking about may be caught up in a reevaluation of what it means to cooperate with the Communist Party of China, which is the government of China, and with Xi Jinping is now the paramount leader <laughs> within that party, and he's clearly not acting in a democratic fashion and is boasting about it. The reevaluation of what it means to work with China is part of this story. 
And again, because we only have tidbits of information, it's pretty hard for us to connect the dots. Some of the research I've done in this is a number of articles over the last couple of days, oh. Elliot, uh, seem to indicate that there was, from time to time, sharing of information uh, between this, this laboratory in Winnipeg and, and well, the Chinese uh, work that was going on. Uh, but, but I guess the exception here is, from what we're told anyway, is that they did not have permission to take anything this time, and apparently something went missing. Well, it wasn't so much as what missing is. <laughs> it got transferred. The, yeah. uh, yes, if, if you read the details of what is publicly available, apparently that is exactly the case, that there's been a normal ongoing exchange with, as part of a normal global cooperative effort in, in all kinds of fields, but particularly in medicine and <laughs> genetic, uh, genetic uh, research in particular and genome research in particular, that uh, that seems to have changed somewhat, and in this case, apparently it hinges on the fact that the ongoing normal exchange of information, which had been agreed to in formal, uh, formal documents, formal arrangements, this time some material was sent uh, out of Canada without uh, public health uh, PHAC's uh, authorization. Since that wasn't authorized, it became unauthorized and then came under scrutiny, and the two scientists involved have been first removed from their position and uh, marched out of their labs. And these, just as a footnote to this, these are really prolific scholars. I mean, they, mm-hmm. uh, the lead researcher on this just has published enormously, cooperatively with others around the world, particularly China. But apparently information was transferred without permission of PHAC and therefore triggered an investigation uh, and their uh, dismissal. And, and the, the dismissal was... Uh Again, we're speculating here, but from what we've told and what the Oblivion Mail was able to unearth, uh, this was at the, the behest of CSIS that had done some sort of an investigation and said, you've got to get those people out of there. They have to be removed. Uh, and, the, and you know, the press release they issued at the time said, look, this is just an administrative matter. And you figured, okay, they're trying to downplay it. But then they say possible breaches of security protocols. Uh, that's going to raise everybody's eyebrows, which is no, I guess, just... From that standpoint, and it's no wonder that the MPs in the parliamentary committee say, well, what's going on here? And, that, and then we're getting into the legal wrangle. It's, it's ongoing. Yes. And, of course, we have to remind ourselves we're talking about COVID. <laughs> we're talking yeah. about lethal, pandemic, global, threatening viruses. And that's the nature of these labs. The two labs involved are at the very highest level of research on some of the most deadly pathogens, including covid uh, so, of course, that adds a, a lot of weight to whatever's going on. The um, the case is still under review. I have no comments to make about the two individuals involved in particular. Uh, but the, the nature of the... Uh, there's many dimensions to this, Bill, but one of them is that we do not have in Canada, apparently, as near as I can tell, the kind of safeguards regarding intelligence and intelligence sharing uh, that... It, that uh, they have in the states. We have a, a gap. In the United States, there's something called the Gang of Eight. These are very senior people on the right committees of, of Congress. And they are both Republicans and Democrats automatically by definition, and that they are clear. They have the highest level of clearance, and intelligence material can be shared with them, except under exceptional circumstances on covert actions, even the gang of aid in the United States is not always given privy to everything. In the Canadian case, there is a committee that people didn't know about uh, that uh, was designated to receive 
high-level classified intelligence, but it is not a standing committee of parliament, as the speaker himself has ruled, and therefore can be dismissed at the government's pleasure. Therefore, Canada does not have a mechanism for handling the kind of case that is presently before us. Now, the, one of the gentlemen who worked uh, with this, this couple, uh, Gary Kobinger, uh, extensively on the work that they were doing on Ebola and some of the other viruses, seems to be indicating that, uh, that this was a misunderstanding. And he seems to still have a great deal of faith in both those doctors uh, and ho- was hoping, and I guess this is what he told the Globe and Mail anyway, this was all going to be cleared up and they were going to go back to work. But then we find out... Another wrinkle of this, Elliot, uh, the indication now is that the two of them have gone to China and are living there, notwithstanding the fact that they still own fair bits of property in, in Winnipeg. Yes. Uh, gets, again, multiple, multiple dimensions of this. These apparently, I've been trying to find their actual legal status in Canada, but as near as I can tell, these are considered, since they were employees, employees of, a, of a Canadian bureaucracy, that these are considered Canadian citizens or landed They've got status in Canada, and they are prolific. And they were among leaders in Canada in this particular mm-hmm. area as basically Canadian researchers cooperating abroad. Now, we have a, a colleague here, as you pointed out, who said, well, I know these people, and they're, they're doing great work, and it's a great loss to Canada uh, to have the, their talent uh, removed from this kind of research. And yes, uh, they've apparently popped up now in China, but that would be considered since the only report we have from the about the leading researcher in this case is that her life was destroyed, she was losing weight, she's distressed. She thought it was a misunderstanding that was going to go away. It didn't. She feels her, her career and her reputation is destroyed. So, you know, so she goes to China, uh, whether she probably has family. So there, there's all these dimensions. Has Canada lost talent uh, that we need? Was this, on the other hand, part of a broader, this is where the security speculation comes in, that we know Canada and other countries around the world are subject to very broad intelligence and influence operations by the People's Republic of China. That if you cooperate with Chinese nationals uh, in research, we have come now to understand you are really cooperating with the, with the Chinese state apparatus, security apparatus. So the whole question of to what degree can you deal with China in the normal fashion we have been used to is now under severe reevaluation. The the espionage, you know, there were students from China who were brought over. One of the cooperating firms with this particular research project works openly with the PLA, the People's Liberation Army. Besides, Article 7 of the Chinese national security policy says no company no agency can withhold information from our security apparatus. So we get into what kind of state is China, what are they doing, to what degree can we trust people uh, uh, in, the, in the way that we used to. And by the way, we still have the, the hostages. But the, um, I'd like to move to, to another dimension of this, the cyber hacking, cyber hacking dimension. China really led the way on COVID by sequencing the genome for COVID and releasing it. And that something, I'm just reading, our, you know, the U.S.'s uh, CDC could not have done, doesn't have the capacity to do it, besides which this was originally, you know, from Wuhan. And therefore, uh, the Chinese really have done the world a favor. And then we read subsequently that 
a cyber hacking operation inside China was targeting those companies, particularly Moderna, that were doing research based on that genome to come up with a vaccine. So China was basically releasing the genome and then stealing back the research based on it. These are reports uh, in the news. I can't verify them, but that's the kind of game we seem to be in now. Is it a fair question to to ask about the security for situations like this? This is a high level uh, operation in Winnipeg, and uh, you know you just can't walk walk in off the street and say, "Hey, what are you guys doing there?" Uh, there's got to be some sort of background checks, etc. It sounds like somebody dropped the ball here. I suspect everybody was. My guess is all protocols were followed. Again, we're going on tidbits here. Yeah. No, this is a highly secure operation, and what they do with other partners around the world, I'm sure, is. Uh, very strictly uh, guided by protocols. I'm not sure that a ball was dropped. I think what may have our realization of who you're dealing with is, is seems to be what has changed. The the nature of the regime in China, particularly under Xi Jinping, but ongoing. You know, just as a footnote here, they're celebrating 100 100th anniversary of the founding of the Communist Party of China. This is a big celebration in China, and they're saying that national rejuvenation is well underway under the guidance of the party. That's been the goal, not only of Xi Jinping, but the Communist Party all through. If part of national rejuvenation means um, aggressive, covert uh, intelligence gathering, including, by the way, on, on DNA samples, they've been doing this in 20, at least since 2014, massive gathering from public and uh, apparently illegal uh, gathering of data on everybody's DNA. They use that in, in Xinjiang to, to do what we know they're doing in Xinjiang. This is a, a regime that increasingly is coming to the fore as being, uh, behaving in a way which is not, is not acceptable under normal norms. We've got about two minutes left here, and I just I want to ask the question, because I, this is something probably going to take an hour and a half to talk about, maybe just a, your, your quick answer on this. How much of this information... Uh, does our MPs uh, uh, able to have? I mean, uh, you know, this this investigative committee that started all this legal wrangling said we want to see the unredacted reports about this, and of course the government has refused, and and they're suing the House Speaker, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do they have a right to know any of this stuff? Well, we have a right to know, and yeah. our people uh, who represent us, therefore the Parliament, has a right to know. National security, on the other hand, has always always been a restraint on our right to know. And we have accept, we by definition must accept that the government has ways of knowing things that cannot be widely spread uh, to the public because then it would compromise the ability of the government to get the information that we need to protect us. And that's the national security conundrum. On the one hand, the right to know. On the other hand, the right to be protected by means, uh, and this is what the government's currently saying, uh, we would be compromised in how we gather information and who we can work with if this all came out in public. We do not have an apparatus within the Parliament at the minute, and that's what I opened up with this. At the minute, we don't have an apparatus in Parliament to safely deliver that information. Therefore, the government's refusing, and we're in the extraordinary situation of <laughs> the government of Canada not cooperating with the Parliament of Canada. Uh, yeah, who's supposed to have the final say in situations like this? Does the fact that the RCMP has, has now admitted they're investigating, does that influence that at all? I mean, can they come back and say, look, if this is an ongoing investigation, we, we can't make any of this public now? Yes, they, the national security implications of it, uh, which is shared by CSIS, RCMP, everybody involved in 
we have a, a, a pretty advanced <laughs> capacity ourselves in gathering covert information. Uh, this, if this compromises individuals who provided the information, if this compromises Canada's future to work with partners, and keep in mind the U.S. has uh, named two Chinese nationals about the same time period inside uh, China that it did cyber hacking. So are we going to be unable to perform the functions of protecting the, America, the Canadian public, says the government of Canada, if we are forced to release this information we can't protect you this is uh this is the ongoing delicate balance in democracies to what is what is legitimate in terms of protecting us including keeping things from us is there a possibility that a third party could look at this uh, data that's this you know being well not being shared as it was but the mps want to get a look at did to determine whether or not there are national security issues here because the yes. skeptics are, the skeptics are saying uh you know they're more just concerned about getting embarrassed than they are about national security and we don't know that because we don't know the material yes and, and that's what the opposition quite legitimately is saying uh and we do need a, we do need an enhanced mechanism out of all this miasma we're talking about uh, we uh, the bottom line is that we need an enhanced mechanism for the delicate balance between protecting us by not giving us information at the same time having the right for the public and through our representatives to know that information we seem to have a a gap there in the mechanisms necessary to ensure that balance is a good one interesting story to follow as it uh, develops over the next couple of weeks elliot as always thank you so much for this great talking with you again today and to you bill take care Take care. Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.